Good morning. Good to see everyone out this morning. It is so, so much my pleasure to say that we are going to be celebrating the marriage of Joe Wright and Gilly Stilly. Okay. Uh, it's kind of funny when you put them together, Gilly Stilly. But uh, we are so excited for you guys. Uh, when you see me afterwards, remind me that I have your card right here so I don't forget. But uh, I know that they'll do well, and it's, it's such an honor to, to see all these couples this, uh, this uh, latter half of the year to have these Christian marriages. And I know the Lord will bless you guys. Just depend on Him, and, uh, and y'all do great. So. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, that's going to be our starting point uh, this morning. There are some events that happen in life where you can say, you know, because of that, because that happened, everything has changed for me. That you know that life will be different because that happened. Those of you who were around during 9-11... You can probably remember how life changed so much for our country after that event. Certainly, airport security changed, but also this blissful ignorance that we had about the world around us. We began to be aware of the terrorism, the, the evil in the world that could snuff out life just like that. And it could happen even on American soil. Of course, we know how life has been different since the COVID pandemic. We've seen that, that a lot of organizations, including churches, have had a hard time getting back together after that. There's been people that are more distant from each other because of the pandemic. And then we had these relics that, that we have still around after the pandemic. Things like our individual communion cups, our sanitary communion cups, that was changed because of the pandemic. I remember my Uncle David telling me one time that, uh, that once you leave your hometown, then whenever you go back, you'll notice that everything is different, that it will never be the same, that people will go on with life without you, but also that you have changed. And I found that to be true. Here last week, things changed for this church. When I announced that, that we're moving, it changed a lot. It changed a lot for my family as we are looking forward to a, a new experience, a new place to live, a new church. But it also changed something for this church. You won't hear me as much anymore, which depending on your perspective could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but, but you'll have a time without a preacher. You'll get a new preacher in and, and things will be different. Life won't be the same. I've been thinking about this a lot here recently with my, my nephew Noah and his, his accident that he had. And just a blink of the eye, him and his parents' life changed forever. Now hopefully, as we mentioned before, he's improving and there's not going to be uh, many long-term uh, effects of this fall. But it changed their life. It turned it upside down there for the first 18 days. And I'm sure it will continue on as they have appointments and rehab and, and so forth. Just like that, life can change. And, and what we have to do as, as human beings is, is we have to adapt the best we can to our new, new circumstances. 
We can't live in the past anymore, but we have to move forward understanding what our new reality is. Knowing that our new reality will, will change things for us. We have to make decisions based upon that new reality. We have to move forward and adapt as best as we can. And as Christians, we have to do that as well when it comes to our faith. Because there is an event that happened that changed human history, and it changed every single one of our lives if we let it. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you might think, oh, I thought you were talking about the crucifixion of Jesus, and certainly that did change a whole lot. In fact, there's an emphasis in Christianity on the cross of Christ. If you see someone identifying as a Christian, they're going to have a cross probably around their neck if they, they have a public faith. Or, or maybe uh, just the fact of the matter that, that we concentrate every Sunday morning on the body and the blood of Jesus as we take the, of the Lord's Supper. Our, our minds are constantly focused on these, these symbols of the crucifixion. And, and certainly the crucifixion changed things. And I, I thought Jeremy did an awesome job two weeks ago to show how the love of Christ on the cross, how it should change everything for us. It should change our life. It should compel us to live a life for God. Certainly, the crucifixion changed everything for everyone. However, the only reason that we know that, the only reason why the cross is significant is because of the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, then Jesus would have been just a normal guy that died on a cross. There are, in fact, two other criminals that died at the same time as him, but, but their deaths have no meaning, no bearing on our lives. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, we see, yes, that crucifixion is so important for all of us. We read this in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, where the Apostle Paul says, Concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ the Lord. It says here, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God, how? By his resurrection. It's this resurrection that shows us that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That he actually died for our sins. He didn't die for no reason. He died for our sins. To be that perfect sacrifice for all of us. And we know that. We know that because of the resurrection of Jesus. It declares that Jesus is the Son of God. And that he did die for your sins. Really, the resurrection of Jesus is so foundational to our faith. I think we need to talk about it more, to be honest. It is so foundational to our belief system. We read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, where Paul says that if Christ didn't raise from the, the grave, then our preaching is in vain and, and your faith is in vain. He says there's no reason for us to be here this morning if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. There's no reason for us to make sacrifices for Christ and to give of our means and to give of our energies and give of our time. There's no reason for it. We're just making it harder on ourselves without the empty tomb, without Jesus raising from the dead. It's that 
essential. It's that important. It's a life, it is an event that changed everything for our lives. And if we believe that it is true, it will change everything for you. And I believe that change, that change occurs when we see the reality of this event. When we see that this is a fact, that this happened, that Jesus really did raise from the dead. I believe we see that change here in our passage today in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Matthew 28. We're going to see here that the angel speaks to Mary. And in doing so, he gives her four imperatives. Imperatives just means commands. This was something that was pointed out by a longtime preacher in northwest Arkansas. His name is Robert Dockery. And he pointed out that these, these four commands really have great significance for our life, even to this day. That yes, the, the angel spoke to Mary and Mary there at the tomb, but the commands that he gives are, are commands that we should all adhere to, that should all be a part of our lives as we think about the resurrection of Jesus today. And the first imperative, the first command here that is given by the angel is the imperative come. Let's start reading verse, excuse me, chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his, his clothing white as snow. And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come. He says to them, come. Now, this command, I think, would be a hard one to obey. Because if I were in their shoes, that is the last thing that I would want to do is come closer to me, I would want to run far away. To have this, this great earthquake occur. Now, I've only been through a 4.0 earthquake that was about last year. I think I saw it on my memories the past couple of days on Facebook. I've only been through that, but immediately when that happened, I went running. I, I got up, ran to my girls' room to keep them safe. That was how I felt after that earthquake. I would imagine that's how Mary felt after this great earthquake, which I assume is much bigger than 4.0. But then in addition to that, they, they see this angel, and, and it's kind of a frightening appearance. To be like the appearance of lightning and to have the clothes to be so radiant. I would imagine if I were in their shoes that I would want to head the other way. It would be a scary thing. We see how scary it is. Because these big, bad Roman soldiers are like dead men. They are so frightened. They are scared to death of this angel. And so you can see why there would be a temptation to run. It could have been temptation for these Marys to run out of fear. But here the command is to come. There's an invitation here. An invitation to come. I think it's like the invitation that God gives all of us, that invitation to come, to come to Him. Jesus came from heaven above to, to be among us, to live among us. As Jeremy was mentioning before, He was rich and He became poor so that we might be rich, so that we might have the riches of God and His glory. 
Jesus came to us, and now it's our turn to come to him. And that's what he invites us all to do. Matthew 11 and verse 28 through 30. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. James 4 and verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. There's an invitation by God for us to draw near to him. However, sometimes out of fear, we don't want to get too close. This might be true, especially for those of you who who aren't Christians yet, that you're afraid of of becoming a a follower of Christ because of fear. Because you're afraid that it, it might make you sacrifice more of your life than you want to sacrifice. You might be afraid because it means your Sundays are now booked from here on out. You might be afraid because someone might see your sin and see how you're not as good as the facade you put up. There's a lot of reasons of, uh, to fear becoming a Christian. But even in the fear, even in the anxiety, God says to come, just as this angel told these women in fear to come. Now notice what this invitation was to do. He says there in verse 6, Come, see the place where he lay. Come and see. This is an invitation to investigate, to search out the truth, to see what's really going on. That is what the invitation is all about. In Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, we see here a testimony about Jesus after he had resurrected from the dead, and what he did. Now, I know there's, there's some that tend to say that, that Christianity is, is a blind faith, that it's just this bold leap in the dark. There's not really any evidence, but we just trust God and we just move forward. Well, that's very far from the truth. That's far from, from the way that Jesus presented Christianity. There in, Ma- in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to his apostles whom he had chosen. Then verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering, how? By many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Did you catch that? Many proofs. He's showing them evidence upon evidence. Hey, I'm I'm really alive. I've really raised from the dead. Look at my hands and, and my side. See that I'm eating and drinking with you. He gave them evidence that this actually happened, that the resurrection is true. And that's something that we need to, to see is that the, the, our faith is not a blind faith, but instead it's where we take all the evidence, we, we make sense of the evidence, and based upon that evidence, we step forward in trust. Yes, we still have to have faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, but still it's based upon solid evidence that has been given to us. So Christianity, no, isn't just this bold leap into the dark. It's something that's based upon evidence. It's based upon reasoning. It's based upon us investigating the truth of of the matter. Now, I know we have songs like the song, He Lives, where it has this line, You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. And while that is very true, that God does live within us, and he, He has changed so much for us, We also need to acknowledge that that is not 
That really shouldn't be the foundation of our, our belief that Jesus lives. There's a lot more evidence for us to see from the Scriptures and not just that we have this, this good feeling that Jesus is alive, we have these emotions that he lives, but instead that we see that this is a real event where there's real evidence that we can look at the, the, the resurrection of Jesus and say, this really did happen. He was dead, and on the third day he rose again. So the angel says, come he says, see, and based upon coming and seeing the evidence, notice what it says next. The third and the fourth imperatives are first go, and the second one is hell. Here, look at verse uh, 7 of 28. Matthew uh, 28 and verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And so based upon this evidence, based upon seeing that Jesus wasn't in the tomb, based upon seeing his linen being there and, and the, the, the head linen being folded, based upon that reality, based upon the angel and the, the earthquake, they were to take that evidence and they were to mobilize themselves. They were to go and tell other people about what they saw. See, their actions, the going part, and their words, the telling part, were changed because they saw the resurrection was true. Because they saw what was true, it changed their actions. It changed their words. First of all, they were to go. And notice it says, go quickly. There's an urgency about it, an urgency about our faith. And for us, seeing all that we see in the Scriptures, we see that, that eternities are on the line whether they believe in the resurrection or not. We need to go. We need to go quickly. There should be urgency within ourselves. And that's really a natural product of faith. One of the things I often use with our, the people I study with who, who are coming to faith, who, who aren't Christians yet, is I'll talk to them about, about faith in a bomb. And if you have a faith that there is a bomb in this building, what are you going to do? And most of them say, oh, I would run for it. I said, well, you probably want to tell other people to get out too. That's probably you know, a little less selfish. But yeah, you want to immediately take action. If you believe that your, your safety is threatened, you leave and you tell everyone else to leave too. But if you didn't believe that there was a bomb in this building, then you're, there's no threat level. You can just do whatever you want. It's not a big deal. And that's the same way it is with the resurrection. If we really believe it is true, we will go. And we will go immediately. And as we go, we will tell. Now, I know there's a sentiment where we say, well, the best sermon you could ever hear is the one that you show to others by your example. And uh, as a preacher, I'm a little offended by that, right? Because I think there's a lot of good sermons being preached. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is, yes, our example is important. But we also need to tell people why we're doing what we're doing. We need to tell them that we're, we're trying to share with them the love of Christ. The, way, the reason we live the way that we live, the, the reason that we are so happy all the time and have joy in our heart, the reason our, our family isn't a mess like so many in the world, it's because we belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, it has transformed everything for us. And so for these women that day, they, they went and tell... You know, I would imagine for years and years and years down the line, these women kept telling the story over and over and over again. 
They said, I was there. I saw it. I was so scared. But the, 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 the angel said, come. And then go and tell. I, I would imagine they repeated it over and over. They knew that it was true. And so it changed how they spoke to other people. And for us, we need to do the same. If we really believe the resurrection is true, that we need to, to be people who tell everyone, anyone, about the good news of Jesus. And so let me ask you, do you still have urgency in your life to go and tell others? When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you've had that spiritual conversation with your coworker? When's the last time you've tried to show someone, and really get out of your comfort zone, show someone the love of Christ? Now, I believe what is true of evangelism is true of all of our Christian lives. That it shouldn't just affect our evangelism, but it should affect every part of our life, every action that we take, every word that we speak. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that we as Christians are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Even our thoughts should be surrendered to God because Jesus rose from the grave. Our whole lives, every bit of it, not just our evangelism, but every bit of it should completely change because Jesus rose from the grave. In fact, when we come to Christ, we have a symbol of the resurrection even in our baptisms. What we find is in, in Romans chapter 6 is that Paul describes baptism as, as we dying with Christ. Just as he died on the cross, we die to sin. And that we're immersed, we are buried just as he was buried. And then, just as Jesus was raised from the grave, we are raised to walk in newness of life. It's a symbol now. I understand that there's some who say it's only a symbol. I don't believe that. This is a real point in which you turn from, from lost to saved from unforgiven to forgiven. It's a real means of grace. At the same time, it shows us how our lives should be different because of the resurrection, that we need to live resurrected lives. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, we see Paul saying this about our new life with Christ. He says there, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've been baptized into Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are a new creation. A new creation because of the resurrection of the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we are a new creation in Christ. We, we leave the old ways behind us, and now our, our lives are totally devoted to Christ. You probably uh, remember the line in the, the hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross. It has that line towards the end where it says, it demands my soul, my life, my all. That is not just true of the cross. It's true of the resurrection of Jesus. If it really is true, it should change everything for me and for you. Now, if you're having trouble going and telling, if you're having trouble with that life change, if you're having trouble evangelizing to brothers and sisters, excuse me, with non-Christians who are around you, if you're having trouble living out that new creation, you keep going back to the old man of sin, if that's the case for you, if you have a, you're having a hard time living out a life that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me encourage you 
to go back to the empty tomb and look. Go back and, and to see and investigate and to, to look at where he lay. To consider the, the different resurrection accounts that are found in our Bible and to consider what the resurrection did for them. Look and, and search and inquire. We're not trying to hide anything in Christianity. It's for everyone. Everyone. Come and look and see. And I believe when you see that He really did raise from the grave, it will change everything. It will help us to go and to tell. It will help our thoughts even to be taken captive in order to obey Christ. It's based upon that reality. And if we can take that reality more to heart and have more faith and trust in that reality, you're going to see it in your lives. Because if 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 Jesus' resurrection is true, it will change everything. It will transform you. You've probably heard me use the example from C.S. Lewis where he, he mentioned that really when you think about Jesus, he can't kind of be in between. He can't be someone who is just this good moral teacher that I'll take some things and, and live by it and, and other stuff I'll just throw out. Now he says, really, when it comes to Jesus, you can only have three takes. Either you believe he was a liar, you believe that he was a lunatic, or you believe that he is the Lord. He says, Jesus said way too much for us to to have any other options. Jesus says he was the only way to the Father. If you don't obey his words, then you will be condemned to hell. That's what Jesus said. And so either... He's a fraud. He's lying. Either he's crazy, he's a lunatic, or he is who he said he was. And I believe when we look at the resurrection of Christ, it proves to us over and over that he is the Lord. That he is the Lord that is reigning in heaven. That one day we will be judged by him. He really has all authority in heaven and earth, and we must listen to his words. And if we can go back to the empty tomb, and see for ourselves again and again that Jesus did raise from the dead, I believe that it will continue to help us treat Jesus like He is the Lord, that He actually is on the throne, that we have to obey Him, that we have to go and tell the good news of Jesus. And so this week, as you think about this lesson, I want to encourage you to go back through the resurrection accounts and read them again. We'll be studying them on Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, this next Sunday, and I think maybe even one more class after that. And so just go back and and read through and investigate and and see for yourself, is this really a true event or not? I believe if you come to the conclusion that it is true, then it will completely change you. It will change your actions. It will change your words. It will change your whole life. So let's make sure that our faith is grounded on that reality, that real event, that Jesus rose from the dead. And if we do, I think it will completely transform me and you. Let's pray together. Dear God, our Father, we're so grateful that you have offered so many proofs to us through the Bible that Jesus rose from the dead. We pray, Lord, that we will go back to your word time and again and grow in faith so that we can grow in our actions, that we can grow in our words, that we can grow in our thoughts, that that all of our being will be that new creation 
that we will walk in newness of life, that we will be resurrected to a new life with you. Help us, Lord, to base all of our faith on that resurrection and help us, Lord, to live out the good news of that resurrection every single day of our lives. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to respond to that good news, that Jesus did die for your sins, that He was buried and He rose on the third day, and that you need to put Christ on in baptism and and do that symbol yet again, but this time to receive forgiveness of all of your sins, to be that new creation now and for the rest of your life. Or maybe there's someone here that needs help to live that resurrected life. You need the support of the congregation You need our prayers. We'd love to help you with that as well. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing this invitation song.